What's up, everybody? Welcome to The State of Wild, episode 55, a regular YouTube video web series podcast thingy. My name is Meowth, and as usual, I'm joined by my two good friends, Raffle and Corbett. How are you guys doing tonight? Yeah, I'm doing all right. It's been a bit of a weird week, but we did get a uh, the start of card reveal, so we've got some new cards to take a look at, discuss, and uh, maybe brew up some ideas as well. Uh, yeah, I'm, it's definitely been um, a challenging week for everyone involved in the Hearthstone community, for sure. But uh, beyond that, in terms of other stuff going on, if you hear any random yelling in the background, I'm, I'm sure that just means Australia has meddled in something because there's a lot of Olympic viewing going on right now um, in some other rooms. So just, just, a, just a heads up if you hear anything like that. Wait, that's so exciting. I love the Olympics. Uh, favorite event? Yeah, what, are you, what are you watching? From the olympics what is oh uh, i watch i watch like a bit of everything i, I really like the the swimming and the athletics in particular i'm like a, a big athletics guy so we'll make sure we catch a lot of that raffle do you have a favorite olympic sport i mean my favorite olympic sport is curling during winter olympics mm. but um some of the displays of uh strength in particular are really interesting to watch during the summer olympics so weightlifting uh the throwing events in track and field are also some of my favorites i had friends that uh, did that in college so um you know, it's always good to see like people at the uh, the pinnacle of uh, athletics uh, doing their thing. Yeah, I I always go out of my way to watch the like diving and gymnastics like portions of the Olympics. Those are always a ton of fun to watch. And then I'm also a big soccer nerd, so both the men and women's <laughs> yeah. like soccer tournament that's going on at the Olympics is a uh, is a ton of fun. Um, but yeah, so like we mentioned, we got a ton of card reveals. We've got a you know a little bit of a black mark on this week as well that we'll talk about as you know. As we move into the episode, but before we get into all that, we've got some housekeeping stuff to take care of. Uh, so, of course, first off, if you guys like the content, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening to the podcast via, if you guys enjoy the content, make sure you guys drop a subscription, follow, a little like. Uh, it's a small thing, but it does support us a ton. Yeah, you can also support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash stateofwild. And I'd like to thank our latest uh, patrons at the Epic tier. We have Jeff. As well as Tony Sosisco. I apologize for butchering that. That was my third attempt. And at the legendary tier, we have Matthew Jenkins. So thank you all for the support. And um, appreciate those of you that just uh, listen and comment as well. And of course, all the patrons can get a whole bunch of perks when they come join the State of the Wild Discord server. A whole bunch of perks coming out later in the next week. So make sure you get that. And hey, even if you're not a patron, come join the server. Um, it's a great place to have a conversation about Hearthstone and everything going on. Um, and, you know, especially heading into the next expansion. So, yeah, come join for a wild Hearthstone discussion. All right. So I know we had a bunch of card reveals, uh, but before we get into all the excitement of that, we do, you know, need to talk about, you know, the really big thing that happened this week. So if you guys haven't heard, um, the state of California has kind of is suing Activision Blizzard um, for sexual assault claims in the workplace, sexual harassment, um, a whole wider variety uh, of stuff if you guys want you know the in-depth article we'll link that down in the description it, it i really don't know what to say publicly about this just because I've, i feel like we've had this conversation a ton of times um specifically in the hearthstone community as well so it it really sucks to to have to have this conversation again about you know women in esports and gaming and kind of just the community in general um and so i i what i've been doing is i've been you know kind of shutting up and listening to all the experiences which is like 
it, it's impossible to empathize <laughs> with this whole situation. Like, you can try to pretend like you can, but you can't empathize. I don't think any of us, um, out of the three of us, can, can empathize. And so it's been a really rough situation, and I, like, admire everybody that's, you know, speaking out and doing something um, as a response to that. But I, I don't know. It's kind of impossible to put into words like the frustration that like like i i know we were talking about here just with activision blizzard but like this happens everywhere right in every industry and and it sucks and it it really does really does suck it's a lot of things it's it's frustrating it's disappointing it's saddening um but it's not surprising right like we've like you said, we've had a similar conversation just a few episodes ago, it feels like, about representation of women in um, the content creator side of things. So it's not terribly surprising that there's a similar uh, sort of struggle going on for, for women within the company of Blizzard. And, um, you know, I think what you mentioned is, you know, we do want to discuss it and address it because it is the big news of the week. But I think the the important thing for us as you know, three men to do is uh, what you mentioned, uh, Meowth, is really uh, take the time to to listen because, you know, there are specific challenges for women in what is traditionally a male-dominated space that we just don't have experience with and don't truly um, have the means to understand as a result of that. So I, I think listening and even amplifying those voices is a, a good way to go about things. Um, I, I think that Something else that you mentioned that's important to recognize is that this is specific to uh, Blizzard Activision right now. Um, but a couple things with regard to that is that the folks should be there, obviously, because that's this is the big thing that's happening right now. There's some really terrible allegations that are being presented in the in the lawsuit uh, in the lawsuit, and that's not something that is just filed without um, you know some amount of credible evidence. Um, so, like, we need to take this seriously, and this isn't something that we can just dismiss as um you know the activision effect of of taking over this is something that has been a part of the broader community and specifically blizzard for a long time some of these allegations are against people that have been with blizzard for longer than it's been owned by activision and so this is something that's been festering underneath there for quite a while and we can't just dismiss as you know part of the uh activision problem and another thing that I, I appreciate that you touched on is that this, while this is a Blizzard Activision issue right now, and that's where our focus should be because there are like real victims that are, you know, ha- that have real issues that they that need to be brought to light. This is something that is pretty universal, whether it's in the gaming community or outside of it. I mean, it's like it, we've seen similar reckonings within Hollywood, within, um, you know, athletics, within a lot of different fields, and it's. Like it, it feels like a Groundhog Day to a certain extent, where um, we keep having this conversation because women, in particular, seem continue to be mistreated within the workforce and within you know society at large. So it's it's frustrating, it's disappointing, um, and I think we need to take the time to you know listen uh, to what's being said and you know appreciate the fact that, like you said, that the um, the people that are coming forward with these and are raising these issues are taking, you know, a, a rather large burden um, in doing so because they're bringing those 
issues to light and becoming they were already victims and now they're publicly coming out with these and the you know that sort of amplifies the uh, the pressure that's being placed on them so this it, it, it's a difficult read if you do um make your way through the uh the the filing but you know i would encourage you to do so because just because something is uncomfortable doesn't mean it's like not worth doing to um for the the sake of un understanding and uh, the final thing that I'll say about this is that it's kind of a sobering reminder that there are more important things in this world than uh, a, a children's card game. And, you know, there are some very real struggles that are um, being taken on by the uh, the people bringing these issues to light. And I have a lot of respect for some of the creators that have chosen to maybe not just continue uh, business as usual by uh, canceling or uh, delaying their, their uh, card reveals, which is as a creator, a very big thing for uh, your exposure. So real big credit to um, Ali Straza, Lieutenant Eddie, and I believe Trump, who uh, have either delayed or canceled their, their card reveal because it, it, I don't know, it does feel kind of weird with all this looming to just be like, hey, here's some cards and we're going to go through it. Uh, but there, you know, is a sense of the, it's not business as usual. So uh, I'd like to take a a, a moment to appreciate the you know the sacrifice that they made to, to kind of uh get more exposure and uh on the subject uh yeah i honestly don't have too much to add um just echoing everything that you guys have both said um i would you know just again put it out there that just because something is uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not worth looking at. And it's actually more important. <laughs> the fact that if it does make you uncomfortable and it is very tough to read, that's all the reason to go and, you know, read the read about the allegations and read through a lot of what a whole bunch of very brave people are coming forward with. Um, a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of women are uh, sharing very personal and very painful um, stories. And I can only suggest that you know, you guys go out and make yourself aware of what's going on and are willing to listen is the biggest thing. Um, it's not always important to... Again, uh, even though we are putting out a statement, the biggest thing is that we reflect on what the women who are particularly affected by these issues, um, the people who are particularly affected by these issues, what they have to say, and we just learn about their experiences and hope that everything gets better because, you know, again, this is a industry-wide uh, systematic problem and hopefully you know the people responsible and the systems in place that are responsible or responsible are held accountable and things get better in the future yeah you guys had much yeah. more eloquent answers than i did because every time i like i look and think about it i'm just like fuck dude this is so sad because that it really is what it is and i, I don't have anything the... more eloquent to add so i'm not even gonna try but it's every time i think about it it's just like it's a little bit depressing that this happens over and over again and again like you like like we talked about it's it's not even just blizzard right so like if you want to boycott blizzard you're well within your right right to do that but like i don't want you to kind of just ignore it when you like hop over to another game because it's very likely that, that something like that has happened to women that work in that industry and that company as well. To add one more thing, I think one of the, the bigger gut punches was the uh, leadership response from Activision, mm -hmm. Blizzard, Activision Blizzard after the fact, yeah. which has kind of been a little bit dismissive of like the, the greater problem and almost to the point of, you know, um, 
not acknowledging them as uh, as real problems. So I feel for like there is clearly a problem with uh, you know a portion or some individuals at Blizzard. Um, you know, it's it probably extends to multiple teams and multiple individuals, but like that's not every individual at Blizzard. There are certainly still some good people that work there, and I feel for them that they you know they in particular are probably dealing with a, um, a a lot of difficulties even if they're not personally victims of some of the the uh, behavior in the complaint they still have to like bear the responsibility um you know of it as some as a result of uh working for a company and you know the the statement that um the activision blizzard leadership put out kind of uh, only again amplifies that that they're now you know making statements that the the a lot of the uh the employees maybe strongly disagree with or don't want to be uh you know uh responsible for or accountable to so that while it is a broader problem the way the blizzard in particular is handling it right now is unacceptable yeah uh totally agree and i think one last point is people that are still working for blizzard or trying to make content because that's part of their livelihood and they can't just kind of uproot their lives. I guess, Raffle, I don't know if you've experienced this in the past couple of days, but like targeted harassment towards streamers, towards employees that can't afford to not boycott Blizzard like some of you want might want to. Um, they, they don't deserve that. That's not where you need to be channeling your anger. That's You're going to become part of the problem if you do that. So I um, just want to make sure that I add that little bit of a you know bow on this conversation. Um yeah, a, a response to harassment with more harassment is never the still never the solution. Like that's yeah. yeah. Um, All right. Uh, so with you know that very important conversation being had, uh, let's go ahead and transition into uh, some of the cards that were revealed this week for the new expansion, United in Stormwind. Um, so we have plenty of cards that we're going to talk about today. Some of them are going to be really really quick conversations because they are you know not very good cards, but there's a lot of really really interesting, unique. Uh, and pretty powerful cards that have been revealed as well. So it's going to be a pretty interesting conversation. Um, and let's go ahead and start it off. Let's hop into... These are going to be a little bit of out of order because I just went to the Play Hearthstone website and for some reason they're not organized in class order. But for the sake of organization, just go with it, all right? Um, so we're going to start with Warrior. Uh, the first thing that we have is a zero mana Warrior spell called Provoke. Uh, this has tradable. Choose a friendly minion enemy minions attack it so ruffle what are your thoughts on provoke rot face um <laughs> i just want to uh generate a bunch of random legendaries i don't know like this is a difficult card for me to evaluate i like the fact that it's tradable at zero mana is really intriguing because you can really time the usage of it and i think that's the best thing this has going for it Obviously, there's some you know cute synergies with maybe um, you know thick uh, poisonous minion. I'm not sure how it'll interact in terms of attack order and what happens if the minion dies midway through. So that's another like uh, it, again adds to the difficulty in evaluating it. I imagine play order probably dictates attack order, but are the attacks happening all at once? Because then you could have something like a venomous scorpion and everything dies, and that's a you know. Um, like a one and a half card um, full clear combo because you, you you know the venomous scorpion replaces itself. So looks like it has some interesting um, possibilities with it. I don't know if it'll become necessarily a staple card because like it's 
Skipper Barov is probably a better, uh, you know, two card uh, board clear. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I think if it, uh, it, it if it works where everything attacks at once, there are certainly some uh, some cute combos you could put together and maybe worth running. It's a card that you could also get off of the uh, the Scorpid as well. So. All right, Ruffle. Cute combos. I got two words for you: line cracker charge. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> yeah, the line cracker does have to survive, but yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, commanding it's, shout, it's right? You go line cracker, commanding okay. shout, charge, and then provoke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I think there we go. That, that is the uh, the cutest combo I've heard about that. So I didn't think about that. Like, I'm into it. Yeah. All right. Next, Ruffle Warrior meme deck. We got you. Um, I also thought about Big Warrior. Right, you play duel or commencement, and then you drop a provoke and clear the board, which is kind of like the big issue with the big warrior decks. So was like, yeah, you'll play duel or commencement, but then like your opponent just ignores it and kills you, sort of thing. Um, and so this is kind of a way to get a big minion on the board and then potentially clear off a couple minions and then kind of go from there. Um, I'm not, I'm not so sure how that's gonna work, but I mean, like you mentioned, I think it's super interesting. All right, let's move on to our next warrior card. We've got Shipper Their Timbers. What a name. Uh, one mana spell. Deal two damage to a minion. If you control a pirate, deal five instead. Uh, so, Corbett, what are your thoughts about this in Pirate Warrior? Uh, control Pirate Warrior. We um, is, that, is that where we're headed? Um, it's kind of interesting. It reminds me of... Uh, what's the based card that's like... Uh, deal damage equal to how many base you have? Like, it increases... Uh, overwhelm. Yeah overwhelm yeah it kind of reminded me of that um so it can be very efficient right like one mana deal five is pretty significant one mana deal two by itself isn't that bad it just it doesn't fit current pirate warrior um probably not right because it's not particularly threatening but it is very high tempo so i'm kind of interested to see where this goes and whether they are actually legitimately pushing um a whole bunch of slower pirates we've seen it previously with the five mana anchor man um as a pirate that fits into a slower archetype and so it is interesting that they're headed into exploring kind of a little bit of a different direction. Um, but right now in Wild, it obviously doesn't fit anything immediately. But this is definitely a card where I want to see the rest of the set. Do you ever think about this card in that Frenzy Dead Man's Hand shell? Yeah, probably not because, um, like, it, it is good with the Anchorman, but that's like, it's hard sometimes to combine both cards at once because Anchorman is so expensive, and you're not running a ton of pirates, so it can remain a little bit dead. I guess, like, as a baseline, one mana deal two isn't that bad, so it's okay, but it's also the fact that your skippers are your other pirates, you're only running four in the deck, and it's not like, you know, you're just throwing out skippers to to do, you know, spell damage like this. You're often pairing it with minions and are on a very, very tight mana budget with what you're trying to do. Um, and so it's hard to weave that in on the same turn. Um, but yeah, uh, probably not there, but I am interested in like, do, do you reckon we ever get Odd Pirate Warrior? Is that a thing? It was already kind it. of a thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that like you have, it, in both of those situations, though, you just have to compare it to Shield Slam where like it's mm. um, like, you'd probably just favor a Shield Slam here. If it were it, in either of those decks, if it were holding a pirate rather than control a pirate yeah. i think it would be much better because those are four you have four pirates you can draw them pretty cleanly with Ankar, um and then you do want to hold them for a particular time but both of those um pirates in that uh, dead man's hand deck tend to be ones that kind of do the clearing for you when they come down so it's a little bit redundant with uh this card and i think it's just like probably a little bit less reliable than shield slam in those decks still it might also just mean that there's more pirate synergy cards coming 
in United and Stormwind. Yeah. Which, uh, all right, let's move on to the warrior legendary that's been revealed. We've got Lothar. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's I believe it's Anduin's grandpappy. Oh. All right. Well, he's a warrior, apparently. Um, the star of the Warcraft movie, if I'm not mistaken. Oh god, I, I I saw horrible reviews, so I never watched it, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anyways, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> we digress. We've got seven mana Lothar, uh, Warrior Legendary 7-7. Seven, seven. At the end of your turn, attack a random enemy minion. If it dies, gain plus three, plus three. Uh, so we've kind of seen this effect on Darius Crowley, right? Um, and Darius Crowley is kind of crap in our format. Um, this is three mana more expensive, kind of impossible to tutor. Uh, does this see play anywhere outside of Big Warrior? And does it even see play in Big Warrior? Like, that's my only like instinct of where this fits and i don't even think it's that good in that deck i think it sees play in big warrior because it's new but it turns out it's not going to be good i think that like in wild a uh, pile of stats isn't great the fact that it it almost has a ragnaros type effect for clearing the board i think that's its um biggest upside is that um you know it is likely to overtake uh a, mi a single minion on the turn that it does come out um but then it probably just dies or you die. So I don't know, um, you know, how much your value you're going to get off of this. But I think that, um, you know, maybe it could see some play in a big warrior. Because like you said, when you play a commencement or a gather your party, you're just often like, well, now what? But the now what is this becomes, you know, maybe a 10-4 or something like that. Um, or a... A 10-5 after it eats an opponent's minion. So the fact that it eats an opponent's minion is uh, pretty neat. I think it's a cool effect. I just don't know how strong it will be necessarily. This is Power Crab Boogie Monster. That's what I just realized. Poor Boogie Monster. Uh, is it Power Creep? This is a question that I always have. It's, it's, it's kind of like if a tree falls in a forest. Is it? <laughs> is it really Power Creep if the card never saw play? So... Okay, Raffle, I've watched your stream and has seen play, so there's no reason to lie to the entire podcast audience. Come on. I've never put it in my deck. I have <laughs> it has seen play coming from my hand onto the board, but I've never intentionally put the card in my own deck. So that's how bad Boogie Monster is. <laughs> that's saying something, right? Um all right, let's move on to uh to Druid. Let's talk about our first new quest that was revealed. We've got Lost in the Park. Uh this is the Druid quest. One mana, quest line, gain four attack with your hero reward gain five armor and then it upgrades to defend the squirrels this is i think the best named card and the best art absolutely <laughs> love it this is the second part of the quest line uh quest line gave gain five attack with your hero reward gain five armor and draw a card and then you move on to the final step feral frenzy f-r-i-e-n-d-s-y by the way uh, quest line, gain six attack with your hero, reward Guff the Tough. And Guff the Tough is a five mana, eight, eight beast with taunt. Battle cry, give your hero plus eight attack this turn, gain eight armor. Um, okay, hmm. other than the names of this card, Ruffle, which are absolutely great, what about the effects? I love the names. The effects feel like they're probably good, right? Like they're it's good things to do or because it has an immediate effect as you're doing as you're upgrading them you're either smacking the opponent in the face and gaining health or you're removing stuff for likely free so the the effect is good it just feels kind of bland <laughs> like which feels weird because compared to the other quest lines it's like 
they were really exciting. And this one is probably pretty okay. Like, I, I don't know if it's going to be fast enough or wild because, like, the, um, you know, there, while there are a lot of cards that gain you attack in wild, it's not really something that you want to build around necessarily. So I don't know if it will, like, be a good archetype, like, going face with your, uh, with your hero. Um, so I don't know, like it, like it, it, it feels really hard to evaluate and it's, um, it maybe just because the effect is a little bit lackluster by comparison. It, um, I don't know, it's somewhat disappointing. And actually now looking at the, um, the rewards, it's, you're not actually, um, gaining the attack. I misread that. That's only Guff the Tough where you get the, uh, the, the plus attack and the armor. You're actually just gaining armor. So that almost seems, that, that certainly makes it worse, but it, I don't know. It seems like, because the, the steps you take are aggressive and then the reward that you get is defensive until the very final one. So that kind of seems at odds with, um, you know, a cohesive game plan that you would want to build a deck around. So unless they have cards that um, do something as well as give your hero attack, which we did see, I think one of them was uh, was released that at least synergizes with your uh, hero attacking, uh, or rather gives you a attack. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, unless there are more of those that, like, do something and give your hero attack, I, I can't see this being, like, a uh, very reliable archetype to uh, to build around, necessarily. It's it's very weird, um, like you said, but it reminds me of two standard archetypes that we saw just last year. It reminds me of um, Soul Demon Hunter and Bomb Warrior, in terms of uh, decks that are sort of have this life gain ability, but are kind of just, like, pointing things at the opponent's head at the same time. Um so a lot of lifesteal in the Soul DH and a lot of armor from the Warrior. Um, it's pretty interesting. Like, uh, it, it does depend on what other, like, attack cards we get. Now, um, there isn't going to be any overlap, so, uh, so overflow. So if you gain five attack, for example, immediately, uh, you don't just, like, get a, an extra starting plus one on the next part of the quest. So it's, you have to be incremental the same way, like, Spellstone. Um, when you gain armor for that, it'll only upgrade one at a time. Um... But yeah, I'm actually pretty interested in this one, uh, funnily enough, because I, I do think that the the armor is really significant and the the actual reward, as boring as it is, like, it's a lot of damage <laughs> and it's a lot of survivability and it's a big body and it has taunt, which is also great. It's the only one so far that actually has, like, an immediate effect on the board where everything else is sort of just, like, vanilla as, uh, like, a 5-mana 7-7, seven, seven, but the fact that this is a 5-mana 8-8 eight, eight taunt that the opponent has to interact with makes the reward actually um, a lot more uh you know let's play it and die immediately um so i'm actually intrigued by this one more than yeah anything. we we saw something similar with the uh angoro uh quest where like amara was relevant because she set your health to 40 but she also like stopped the opponent's board in their track so i think that the taunt is uh more relevant than i think people give it credit for probably myself yeah. included when i saw this i initially like like you mentioned it is super blank compared to some of the other ones that we've seen so far and are going to talk about and it reminded me exactly of like Malfurion Death Knight compared to all the rest of the Death Knights was like super bland. Yet Malfurion Death Knight was low-key one of the most powerful Death Knights, right? Um, like standalone, it was just like a really, really solid good card that you just shoved in a bunch of Druid decks. Um, I don't think we're shoving Lost in the Park in a bunch of Druid decks like the Death Knight, but I mean, Odd Druid 
Like, don't you just love this quest in Odd Druid? Like, I know that's a meme deck, but like each hero power giving you plus two attack and getting to play a little bit more aggressively, you lose out on stuff like Savage Combatant and the like the new card that we'll talk about, but you get Gauntlet Raptor. Beautiful, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I that's the only place that I think that this can see play without seeing a lot of the other synergy cards. But I'm not gonna I'm not completely writing it off because the the reward is super powerful. Like the final reward, the five mana eight eight. And if it has nice synergy with like the Druid Hero Power, because like the odd Druid Hero Power, I think synergizes insanely well with this. So we'll see how uh, how it goes. All right, let's talk about the next Druid card. Uh, we've got Oracle of Loon, three mana two four epic minion. After you play a minion that costs two or less, summon a copy of it. Corbett, how are we abusing this in the wild format? Um, great question, Meath. Um, okay, so <laughs> I guess like I'm gonna frantically try to figure stuff out here because I haven't really been thinking about this card. But I guess like Aviana Kun, um, you know, all of a sudden all your minions cost one, and so they double up. But I guess that's not really any different than the uh, the five mana card. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I couldn't remember its name, Ixlid. Um, the other one that I'm trying to think of is the two mana, your next taunt costs two less, or the first taunt mm-hmm. that you play costs two less. Um, if you play this and then uh, a, a copy of that, your next taunt has a four cost discount, which is kind of nutty and can kind of snowball in a pretty dramatic way. Um, but yeah, I'm going to defer to you guys. Have you guys thought about this one a little bit more? Um, I I have, and I think it's meant to be in an aggressive deck, but like it's hard to stick this minion and also like develop behind it. Uh, where I initially went was like Undertaker Death Rattle synergies. Things like Haunted Creeper could uh, be good to double up just to make sure you get that lock on board and have things to buff up. Um, when you brought up the uh, the taunt things, it reminded me a while back I had somebody like use that card, copy it uh, a couple times, and then throw down clowns on, like, turn four without ramping at all in Druid. And it was, like, it blew my mind. They had, like, <laughs> they they had, like, two mana um, strongmen without actually corrupting them. And I was just, like, what is going on? So there's certainly some, uh, some cheesy high roll stuff like that. But I don't, like, I don't know that you can stick this card and then develop behind it. Like, that feels um, difficult to do because it, I imagine if you just drop this on three without a board lead, the opponent's going to uh, remove it. If you have a board lead, do you really need additional minions, or do you really would you rather just be like setting up for a savage roar? So, yeah, I I went the the aggro druid route. I mean, side note that two mana two three taunt discounter is going to be absolutely mm. busted one day. Just oh yeah, absolutely busted. Uh, but I was thinking of stuff like in biggin with one drops, right? Summon two three fours pirates, um, stuff like that. I wonder how this synergizes with stuff like Echoing Ooze, right? Like, if you drop this and you play an Echoing Ooze, does the copy you summon also summon a copy of itself, or do you just get three? Um, it, like, I, I think Aggro Druid right now is the only place that I really want to look at this, because I think if you're playing, like, a combo build with Aviana Kuhn, I think you still stray towards Ixlid instead of this, because Oaken Summons. So, like, I don't think this is going to see play in that build. Um, but yeah, I mean... I mean it- so it is all just on Battleguard, right? Like that's the entire purpose of this card is that you play this and then Battleguard on turn five, and then you get like another mat. You get like, you get to copy the the taunt that has a four cost discount. Yeah, as well. So it, that's but like that's, that's really slow in our format, right? That's super slow. It's t- is it like it's turn five, right? Like pretend it's turn five and you play this thing, uh, this thing, and then two Battleguards basically. So you get a pair of two threes, a two four, and then you play like another like Sengen 
shield master or you know insert whatever taunt but you get another pair of two three uh three five taunts like that's a lot of stats on turn five and the fact that they have taunt would be make it more relevant that you know if you're building up to that turn i think yeah i think that's a interesting uh way to go about it as well is this finally the time for strong shell scavenger to to prove its worth and construct <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I think this card's super interesting, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun messing around with it and see if it's actually viable, or are we waiting a couple more extensions before we're like finally seeing the broken deck <laughs> become a thing in Wild. Alright, next up we've got Park Panthers. This is a 4 mana 4-4 four, four beast with Rush. Whenever this attacks, give your hero a plus 3 attack this turn. Um, I mean, so this obviously is going in that Quest Druid, if you want to build a Wild version of that Quest Druid with stuff like... Uh... God, I said the name earlier, the 4 mana 5-4 hero power give your hero plus to attack whatever that savage is. savage combatant yeah that one um it's going in the same deck as that if you want to build like a, a wild version of that deck but outside of that i don't think it has much playability um like it can get pulled off of guardian animals but oaken summons anti-synergy is like the big thing um if you're playing like a guardian is animals it, build is it oaken summons anti-synergy uh it's not like, a 510 taunt yeah but like, 4-4 four, four with Rush and another additional 3 attack, like, that's, like, pretty significant removal. Um, that's, like, not bad. I, like, I remember, like, Devoted Maniac in Gallicum Warrior isn't that bad. Like, it's actually pretty solid in that deck. And this is, like, a significant upgrade over that. You know, you get an extra plus 2, plus 2 on the initial body. Um, I don't know. Like, I know it's not mm. as great, potentially, as, like, a 510, but it's also a lot better if you draw it. Um, and, you know, there might again be additional synergies. Like, I really, really, really like this card. I think it's got, like, an excellent effect. Well, I guess my question is, with 8-mana Guardian Animals, is there ever a deck that wants to play this over the 510, right? Is there a mid range tempo deck in, in the format right now that wants to be used this instead of a 510? I think if you get 7-mana Guardian Animals back on rotation, then I think you, like, start talking about playing this card. But right now, I don't see any deck outside of that pure quest build that really wants this effect. Yes, it might be powerful, but I, I don't... For the decks right now that are running Oaken Summons, or slower decks in general, I think I would rather have the 510 instead of this. So, personally. What if you're running, like, an Oaken Summons, um, Guardian Animals, like, mid-rangey Beast Druid? I think that if we get some additional Beast Synergies um, released as they have been slowly rolling out, I think that there's some potential for this in the future. And like you said, uh, seven mana Guardian Animals probably makes this worth running uh, yeah. just as a card. Seven mana Guardian Animals can't come soon enough, right? I'm just looking forward to, to that day. Um, all right, Raffle, let's talk about Best in Shell. Maybe not a lot to talk about here, but this is a six mana tradable Druid spell. Summon two, two, seven Turtles with Taunt. So that is four, 14 worth of stats. Um, that is less than Spreading Plague on average, but is this good in addition to Spreading Plague, Raffle, in your opinion? I think the best thing that this card uh, has going for it is the fact that it's got tradable so that you can send it back to your deck and find something worth playing for six mana, like a, a Spreading Plague. Um, I I don't know. Like it, it, we're, we're spoiled in wild, obviously, with, uh, with Spreading Plague. Like, you gain 35 health with that card a, a significant amount of time. Um I, I mean, it, it is a it is a pile of stats, but that uh, have a big caboose. Um, but I don't I don't really see a home for it when again, spreading plague exists in um, decks where you want it, and then like even in a taunt druid, you probably don't want these uh, polluting the uh, the hadronox pool or the uh, the beast side of things for Nazoth or Witching Hour. So I just don't see a home for it. 
Next up, we have the Druid Legendary Minion, 8 mana 5 5, Sheldras Moontree. Battlecry, the next three spells you draw are cast when drawn. Yeah, uh, that's an effect. Uh, Corbett, how are we abusing this card <laughs> in Wild? Um, I mean, the first idea is obviously Polkelt. Uh, maybe there's something we can do with Polkelt somehow if we get a, you know, strong seven mana or other eight mana spells. But, um, I don't know. It's kind of a weird effect, right? Where you kind of want it in a deck that's running high cost, very high value spells in theory. So things like, uh, you know, Survival of the Fittest. Um, but if you're running that kind of archetype, you also want to be running things like like, uh, like uh, Bloom and Innovate and, you know, like Cheap Ramp that doesn't work so well with this kind of a card. Um, so it's very weird in terms of the deck building stuff that it, it's offering. Um, I guess like potentially a Spiteful Druid down the road, um, like something that run might run all of fittest and guardian animals and stuff like that but yeah it's kind of a weird effect um honestly maybe you don't even need to go that far and make it that much of a build around because if it casts something like how if that's like the the average level of the spell just randomly casting how from your deck that's also like not that bad either um i don't know i guess i guess it's not that that good right now is what i'm trying to say but i'm intrigued yeah spiteful is where my head went but then it's just like is that really better than a Grand Archivist, which is yeah. like <laughs> happening at the same time as better stat line and is, you know, if I, I guess you're down one card. It does curve nicely into Primordial uh, Protector, but then you're getting a real heavy top end in a deck that's already struggling to play from behind. So it kind of feels very win more in uh, mm -hmm. in that type of uh, in that type of deck that is again, you know, already at a disadvantage when it gets behind so i don't i don't even know if it's you know a strong play in uh in those type of builds necessarily and, and it's worth noting that it's like random targets as well right so even stuff like ui might kill it or hit yourself in the face um yeah, yeah. you would want to be playing survival scenario word and maybe guardian animals as your uh as your spells yeah. and in that case and you know you're pretty heavy on the eight drops there which not sure if that's uh, better. Yeah. I mean, I think this is another card that we come back to in six months when we get Guardian Animals back to seven and, and talk about it then, <laughs> right? Um, maybe, yeah. It's another card that maybe gets a lot better with, with seven-minute Guardian Animals. All right, next up we have Coda Mount. So this is the Druid Mount spell. Uh, this is a four-mana spell. Give a minion plus four, plus two, and rush. When it, summon, or when it dies, summon a Kodo. The Kodo is going to have you know, rush and it's going to be a four, two. Um, I mean, as we can, you know, have already seen rush pretty powerful. I think in the format, um, four mana though, to give plus four plus two, it's like, it's like blessing a King's level. I think in my opinion, it's a little bit better than blessing a King's, but again, Druid doesn't really have an archetype that can abuse blessing of Kings at this moment. I mean, maybe in that mid rangey taunt Druid, shell i think you look at this as like a, a blessing of kings uh style of effect but if that deck doesn't come together i'm not really seeing where, where code about wants to you know find a home in the wall format yeah it feels very similar to some of the other mounts that we've talked about where they seem like on paper pretty solid strong cards it's just like 
but where does it fit in wild where you know just being a strong standalone card isn't necessarily enough it needs to um you know synergize with uh with other things or allow you to cheat obscene amounts of mana which this doesn't necessarily do it's very good for swinging back the board which um you know again is something that druid could maybe struggle with and why there's some potential for like the uh the park panther uh but uh i yeah i'm having a difficult time figuring out where it fits while it is like a high quality card um on its own i think yeah, the, the awkward part for this card in Druid in particular is that it's very expensive, and because Druid often doesn't have board presence in Wild, it's very hard to like be able to develop a minion, give it rush so it's relevant um, on the same turn, because if you already have minions on board, then the rush part of the effect isn't really doing anything. Um, and so yeah, it just doesn't really have like a, a great fit, I don't think, in any Druid Wild deck. It is four mana deal eight to the board, so I mean, that's that's something <laughs> but um i mean finding an effective use for that is uh, it seems to be difficult yeah i feel like we're really banking for the druid cards that we've seen so far really banking on that like mid-rangey taunt druid build hopefully being viable um for a lot of these cards all right let's yeah. move on to shaman uh shaman we've got command the elements this is the shaman quest uh one mana quest line play three cards with overload your reward unlock your overloaded mana crystals the second half of the quest, or second part of the quest, I should say. Play three cards with Overload. Summon a 3-3 Elemental with Taunt. And then the last part of the quest, Tame the Flames. Uh, Questline, play two cards with Overload. Reward Stormcaller Brucon. And Stormcaller Brucon is a 5-mana 7-7 with a battle cry for the rest of the game. Your spells cast twice. Um, so yeah... Raffle, how are you feeling about Command the Elements and uh, this Overload Shaman that we're looking at here? Uh, it's interesting to me that the um, the effect gets easier to go uh, on its last stage. You only have to do two um, additional cards for the the final stage, which is probably a good thing because you're likely running out of cards in hand there. Um, I, it certainly seems like a fun, interesting uh, effect that I want to play. But I always hesitate because with with quests like this, because the thing that I would want to do with this is cast a bunch of spells that hit my opponent in the face by the end of it. But if I'm passing on turn one and getting a five mana seven seven down, what like couldn't my opponent just be dead by then if I played tunnel drugs on one and started overloading that way? So like I don't know that um you know, I necessarily want to play this in that style of deck unless it's just like a replacement for Maligos and a burn heavy uh Spirit of the Frog type uh type deck, which both allows you to um you know, find burn at the end stages as well as um find your overload spells that um can get the, the quest progress. The uh the second stage does give you a body which is uh, useful and I think that might be relevant. I don't know if this will be necessarily a powerful archetype, but I'm like, I don't know. I like doing Spirit of the Frog things, and you're already running a lot of overload cards in that to begin with. So I think that it's, uh, you know, it's it's got some potential there because um, you, you're just wanting to run Lava Burst in that deck already, and then getting 10 to face for three mana is uh, pretty good, I imagine. So, um, you know, I've, I've built similar decks in the past using Electra as a one-time... 
uh, you know, finisher and being able to do that for the remainder of the game seems like it has some potential for sure. You can get a lot of, uh, a lot of damage off of that. Yeah. I, I think my, my mind initially went to like the Malagos or like it replaced Malagos with like Brucon maybe and, and just use that, um, as your finisher, but like, I don't, I don't think this deck is going to be super aggressive at all with how the quest wants to line up. I guess before we moved on, I wanted to do or ask one like question. So the, what is it called? Past in flames, forbidden flame, the, the one mana perpetual. Flame. Yeah. Perpetual flame. I think. Yeah. The new one from the mini set. Does that count three times or does that count once? I was curious about that as well. Um, I think it depends on the exact wording of the card, which I'm looking for right now. Um, so our quest says play, and then... I think it's uh, if it dies, recast this. So I don't. I think you only play the card uh, once, and then it recasts itself. It's kind of like a cast when drawn type thing. So I don't think it will, uh, like, standalone uh, complete the quest line. All right. Well, that makes it even worse, so... <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about Bolnir Hammerbeak. Let's say two mana, one four. After you play a Battlecry minion, repeat the first Battlecry played this turn. This is the Shaman Legendary. Generated a lot of hype on Twitter. Corbett, are people going to be disappointed by this Legendary? I think so. Um, I don't know. It, like, this is a... There are two different directions. Like you can you can really try and make use of its unique aspect um, compared to something like Bran. Uh, where, you know, standard people are already looking at things like pairing this with your charge. Um, so that way, you know, you, you play your charge and then you play the medic that deals damage to the opponent and that gets you another medic and then you play that and then it gets you another medic and so on. Um, and so you can kind of like go infinite with board space with things like dunk tank. Um, so basically just like keep replaying zero cost minions. Um, so that's like that's uh, an effect that makes it different than brand but in terms of like other stuff i i really did go looking through the collection to find if there were any like infinite loops or anything you could do like the new queen guy the thing that gives you a queen is there anything interesting we could do with that and i really couldn't find too much um that said uh two mana brand is pretty good <laughs> like a, a one for body is still pretty sticky even in wild um, and, you know, there are going to be enough cheap battle cries sometimes in Shaman where you can pair it and have it be quite strong. For example, uh, you can just play the Dungeoneer. Like, potentially you can just curve out this into Dungeoneer and bam, you just, you just draw four cards. Um, and, and that does seem, uh, very, very strong. So, yeah, I, I guess in terms of, like, the infinite looping stuff or, like, very, very flashy effects, I couldn't find anything. But two mana brand is probably, uh, still very good, uh, very good in Shaman. Yeah, if you guys find any infinite combos, let us know down in the comments below, right? Because that's that's how we break the WoW format. That's how we get Shaman actually on top of the format. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I I mean I didn't, I just think like two mana brand is like you mentioned, kind of busted. Like because it does repeat. Like in case it wasn't clear, when you play your first battle cry minion, it does trigger and repeat that first battle cry. So it is it is a brand effect. You don't have to play multiple. Um, I mean I think you're just like probably playing this and stuff like Reno Shaman and stuff like that right whether you're running the was it corrupt the waters quest or not right you're probably just running this in that deck because it has some pretty powerful synergy uh but i mean i'm excited for for bull near hammer beak I, I i've been really enjoying shaman and uh yeah i mean it's a pretty sick card so excited to play with it uh let's talk about tiny toys this is a six mana spell summon four random five cost minions make them two twos uh so this is an evolve shaman tool 
Uh, I mean, you curve Knuckles into this on the following turn, right? This is one extra minion, the Doppelganger, and I know a lot of lists are still running Doppelganger. Um, I'm not really going to talk too much about this. I'll defer back to Corbett because he's like the Evolve Shaman player. Uh, I'm assuming this is going in the list. Let me know if I'm wrong. Uh, but do you think that this kind of changes the needle on Evolve Shaman? In the uh, you don't like it? There's one downside. There's one downside, Meowth. Does it cost? It's not name? a nature. It's oh, not it's a not nature spell. spell. It's not a nature spell. Um, it's really hard to put in spells that are nature spells. Like right now, we're kind of only really doing ice fishing. Um, that's because it's ice fishing, dude. It's <laughs> like ice fishing. You know, the ice fishing bullet combo is one of the best broken things you can do in wild. Um, and while I think Tiny Toys is really, really cool in, in an Evolve Shaman deck and works really well with Knuckles and works really well with Evolve, I just think the fact that it's not a nature spell is enough of a drawback by itself. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but yeah, it, in addition to that, just like even in Evolve Shaman, you kind of want to keep the spell pool very tight because you want to be consistent in fetching the Evolve or the Ice Fishing. Um, and so each spell that gets put in Shaman has to be very, very strong because there is such an additional cost associated with it in, you know, the drop-off between the power level that you're drawing from the Dungeoneer. Um, every spell is sort of making that effect also weaker. And so it has to have a very high baseline. Um, so yeah, I, I really just, I just think it's too much. You know, I think it's too restrictive, the nature, um, so, you know, the nature spell school thing. So you're totally against running this as like your fourth and fifth spell. You don't think it's powerful enough. To yeah, I, I, no, I think I think evolve by itself is so strong, um, and ice fishing is so strong that you don't want to like dilute that, um, and you know risk not drawing a an elemental and things like that. Because in addition to that, like six man is very expensive as well. Uh, like it's a good card, but it's not a card that I think is good enough to warrant that downside. Yeah. I guess you're not running Bloom as well then, right? If you're only running those three spells, so that makes this worse yeah. because you're not powering it early. Okay, makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, that was, I, I, my biggest hesitation was the mana cost just because, like, Evolve Shaman has the, like, obscene, um, like, bi big turns, and this would just feel like it's happening too late even if it does come out after uh, a, a Knuckles. But, like, the, the fact that it's not a nature spell does uh, certainly <laughs> decrease its value as well, so... It's a cool card. I, I, I mean, I'm going to try it, even if it's not uh, optimal. All right, uh, let's move on to the last Shaman card. Uh, this is one that I actually was pretty excited about. Let's talk about Overdraft. So this is a, so this is a one-mana Shaman spell with tradable. Uh, unlock your overloaded mana crystals to deal that much damage. So we have Lava Shock in our format, which is a two-mana deal two. Unlock your mana crystals. This is one-mana unlock your mana crystals. And then deal that much damage, right? So I think much better than Lava Shock in the format. Um, again, this is probably going in that like either Malaga style or that Spirit of the Frog kind of style of builds. Um, and you're pretty happy about this and that. But are we also maybe even thinking about this in kind of Aggro Shaman? That runs like Blooms and Storm's Wrath and, and stuff like that. Uh, once again, not a uh, nature, not spell, nature spell. So yeah. like... Uh, Primal Dungeoneer is uh, becoming a little bit limiting in in those types of uh, those types of decks, but this is definitely a high quality card. The fact that it has tradable too is uh, kind of relevant, so you can better time the um, the explosive turn that you might have as a result of uh, overloading your mana crystals. You can also hold it. Um, you know, it does get fetched off of uh, Spirit of the Frog, so if you're building it around that rather than Primal Dungeoneer, I think it could potentially find a home there because. You know, you want to lead your uh, frog turns with something like Lightning Bloom or Zap, so you are going to be overloading quite a bit. And then 
um, that's pretty restrictive for your following turns, whereas Overdraft can come in, get fetched off of those zero mana spells, and um, you know start doing some damage as well. Damn nature tags. Freaking ruining everything. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, let's move on to Hunter. Uh, we've got Imported Tarantula, five mana, four five beast with tradable, uh, Death Rattle, summon two one one spiders with poisonous and rush. Uh, I mean, Corbett, talk to me about this uh, this Hunter card. Um, it's really good if it wasn't five mana in wild. Um, <laughs> like the the effect is really strong. It's very very good with play dead, but it's just like. It's very expensive, right? Uh, for for hunter stuff, um, in like an egg hunter or something like that. But yeah, the the fact is strong. I think it's gonna be like an outstanding standard card, assuming we get away from that like face hunter build. But right now, um, in standard at least, hunters so centered around just that archetype, and we haven't really seen enough to support any types of slower kind of hunter decks. Um, it's very good with. Uh, you know, like, Guardian animals and stuff. Remember, that that's not just a Druid card. That is actually a Hunter <laughs> dual-class card as well. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a bit too expensive for what Wild's trying to do. Like, even against something like a Board of Giants, the fact that it doesn't have, like, Rush itself, that it is just, like, a 5-mana 4-5 do-nothing on the first turn that you play it without being paired with, like, Play Dead. It is, it is like, it's very high cost. It, it doesn't stop you from getting punched in the face by Giants on turn 5 if it, you know, can only be activated on turn 6. Well, you, you curve Shaw into this, and then you pop off. Oh, the Shaw right. sticks. Yeah, yeah, sorry. The Shaw always sticks, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah. It does have some potential maybe off of uh, Deathstalker Rexar if you can give it Rush that way. Like, it's, uh, um, you know, potentially a good uh, build-around beast if it's uh, available in the pool. At five mana, it should be. I don't know if it has too many, like, if tradable plus death rattle. Um, oh, it does have a lot of keywords, that, right? It's got yeah. four. I forget the exact uh, rules associated with uh, Build a Beast, but not that many quality decks are running Dustarker Rexar right now, but it's uh, always an interesting, uh, you know, possibility in Wild. Yeah, it's very good with that uh, nine lives, right? Like nine lives, three mana, get two poison things. Like these are powerful. It's just slow. Yeah, super slow. Uh, speaking of something that is super interesting and probably too slow, let's talk about the Rats of Extraordinary Size. Um, I absolutely love the flavor of this card in the next level that we're going to talk yeah. about, but uh, this is a 6-mana Hunter spell. Summon 7 one, one Rats. Any that can't fit onto the battlefield go into your hand with plus 4, plus 4. So, you know, you get either 1-mana five fives in hand or you get a 1-1 one, one on the board. Um, so, obviously, you're hopefully doing this and getting a lot of rats into your hand because one mana five fives are super powerful um especially in combination with stuff like tundra rhino but that does require you to have an insane amount of stuff on the board and then play this for six mana to to fill your hand with rats uh so this feels very win more in hunter and hunter is notoriously not win more in the wild format um it's like i don't think this sees a lot of play but it's pretty damn cool yeah i agree with all of that i love the name i love the flavor uh, the card, probably a little too slow. All right, and then let's talk about the the namesake, the the Rat King himself, finally making it into constructed Hearthstone. Say five mana five five Beast Hunter Legendary with Rush. So five five mana five five with Rush. Death Rattle go dormant. Revive after five friendly minions die. This is giving me a uh, Sherizen vibes. The the rogue plant legendary from from back in the day. Um, but Ruffle, what do we feel about this card in uh, in Wild? 
Um, I mean, if you're making like a token-based deck, something that um, I think we've all toyed around with at some point is the pack runner plus uh, mm -hmm. the starving buzzard shenanigans. Like, you can certainly res this, but like, is that enough? It's a high value card once again. Uh, it's a little bit faster than the other two that we've seen, simply by nature of having rush itself. So it can, you know, um, go dormant quickly if that's what you're <laughs> you're after, and then probably get uh, res pretty quickly with things. There are a lot of token based cards that uh, Hunter can benefit uh, from. So things like uh, Swarm of Locusts, uh, the um, Rats of Extraordinary Size, uh, Unleash the Hounds, uh, the the Pack Runner, and some of the the doggos that we saw from the uh, previous expansion in Forged in the Barrens. So there's no shortage of ways to regenerate this, and it'll probably be easier to do than um, than shares them. But again, the question becomes: Is that enough to like be a build around card? It's pretty nice that when this, um, you know, some of the issues with cards that have gone dormant in the past is that okay, they're they're awoken, but they don't really have impact on the board because they can't attack this turn. This can at least uh, trade over something. The turn that it comes back as well so it has a more immediate impact on the board yeah it, it does work really well with tundra rhino is like one small upside where if you manage to tundra rhino and go for the timbulf otk this can be like an additional five six seven damage depending on how many wolves you have which is cool um it is it is a little bit expensive but i mean it's very easy to activate this in the starving buzzard like uh based otk hunter deck uh so I don't know. I, I'll definitely toy around with it. It's got, it's got like, it's enough of a powerful effect where it's picked by interest for that specific archetype, um, which is cool. Yeah, I, I think we're kind of underselling how easy this is to activate, right? How many one drops do you have that summon multiple one drops, and how many of them like have rush? And then if you're running the pack runner build, like how many times do you pop off with like six or seven little one ones in a couple turns and like scavenging hyena like it's so easy to get that really really huge so like i think we're underselling how easy this is to revive in our format like it's it's not going to be a struggle like if you want to you can so all right i'm excited to see what you do specifically <laughs> with, with, with this card um all right corbett we're moving into rogue cards your favorite class uh i do not know how to pronounce this so is it garot garot i think it's garot garot <laughs> all right garot this is a two mana rogue spell Two mana, deal two to the enemy hero. Shuffle three bleeds into your deck that deal two more when drawn. I'm assuming it's two more to the enemy hero, not to you. Yes. Um, I mean, I was thinking about this in something like Kingsbane. Am I am I crazy? How are we feeling about this card? Yeah, um, I mean, if you get to fatigue, uh, two mana, deal eight. Pretty good, right? Um, I don't think it's good enough, though, to be honest, even in Kingsbane. Um for a similar reason why I don't think Zephyrus is very good in Kingsbane, where, you know, in both situations, they're actually, like, pretty similar payoffs, right? Um, overall, where if you manage to dig deep enough into your deck, um, you end up getting a very efficient, like, two-mana deal eight in the case of Garrod, or in case of Zeph, it can be two-mana, you know, deal six, or, like, freeze a board, or some silence effect, something, something powerful. Um, but... The, the immediate effect seems just probably a little bit too weak. Uh, in the in the case of Zeph, it's because you're holding a Bloodfin Raptor. In the case of Grote, it's because you're doing two mana deal two to the enemy hero, which is really, really bad. <laughs> like, it's absolutely horrific um, to actually have to spend mana on this in wild. And so I think overall, this isn't going to be good enough. Quick clarification after uh, you both have just said that uh, word multiple times. Apparently, Garot is... Uh... 
the uh, primary pronunciation groat is also mm. apparently acceptable. So uh, the thank you Ruffles. just to uh, just for <laughs> anybody that was about to you know spam our YouTube comments with uh, you're wrong. Uh, apparently both are correct, but uh, garot is the uh, the primary pronunciation. All right, let's talk about counterfeit blade. Pretty sure I'm pronouncing that one correctly. Uh, this is a four mana four two rogue weapon. Oh, Ruffle made a face, maybe not. Uh, Battle cry: gain a random friendly death battle that has triggered this game. Uh, so this requires you to play a death battle early, right? Turn two, turn three, right? And have it die. And then you play this and gain that death battle. Uh, so that when you crack it on turn five, you, you know, get the four, four Nerubian egg or deal two extra damage if you're playing a leopard. I don't, I don't know. Um, this feels very similar in a vein to, to Necrian Blade. And it feels a little bit worse because it's harder to consistently, like, have active on curve. Um was my initial instinct and it also like doesn't do the curve of shiny finder into necrium blade into like powerful four or five drop death battle um specifically apothecary but uh i mean are you guys having different feelings about uh counterfeit blade no that's kind of my assessment as well like it, it can maybe do some cute things in a in a big rogue but a lot of the times um you know the the more successful big rogue that I've played has been the super high roly dragon one where it's just like, well, the game's probably kind of over if it does its thing. So I don't know that you need a contingency plan that uh, maybe dilutes your shiny finder draws. Um, I could see it more in a version that, um, you know, we've seen from like Dane in the past where um, you play the uh, monsters behind you and you maybe want to reuse that, um, that death rattle effect later in the game where you're trying to aim for layers of threats rather than one big board. But like, I like that deck isn't necessarily uh, competitively viable. So it's, it's a fun deck and I'm interested to, to try this card in it, but I don't know that um, it, it really improves the, uh, the, the strength all that much. All right. Let's talk about persistent peddler moving into demon hunter uh, four mana, four, three, Death Rattle, summon a Persistent Peddler from your deck. Uh, it is worth noting that this card itself has tradable, so if you do draw that second Persistent Peddler, you can shuffle it back into your deck uh, to pull off the first one. Um, I mean, how are we feeling about this card in that Death Rattle Demon Hunter deck? Feeling good. Um, it's such a cute use of tradable. I love this. Uh, like, this is a, a much more feels-good mechanic um compared to all the old recruit cards but yeah in that specific deck um i think it's really great right <laughs> like it's a it's a shredder that always gets a four three um well not always but eh, basically always um and yeah that deck is really uh quite solid right now in wild and i think uh, i think it's just a natural fit so not really too much to add i think it'll find it's a home as one specific home and it'll be uh pretty good there probably not quite as good in the reno version of the death rattle demon hunter i would say um but but i think it'll be it'll be just fine yeah the only thing that i'd had there is just to kind of reiterate what what you said that one of the um i i played that deck just uh earlier this week i think and it was surprisingly very good uh i wanted to get a feel for it after we discussed it last uh, week on the after the vs report and i played the exact list and it felt like one of the uh the most underwhelming cards was the piloted shredder it felt like it was useful just because you wanted the four drop um as a more reliable card or higher impact card to summon but it didn't feel like great you just kind of ran it because you didn't have anything better to do i think i think this is probably better just because like you said you're getting a uh, it's a shredder that gives you a consistent four or three 
that thins your deck in the process. So it's like getting summoning a minion from your deck is always going to be better than just like generating a random minion, even if it pulls a mill house. Like I, I'd give up a stat for a, a, a card draw effectively. All right, let's talk about the second uh, Demon Hunter card. Uh, maybe just a little bit more exciting uh, than Persistent uh, Peddler. Uh, let's talk about Jace Darkweaver. This is the eight mana legendary seven five. This is the new Shutterwalk, right? Uh, totally just as powerful. Uh, Battlecry, cast all fell spells you've played this game. Targets enemies if possible. Not a lot of them like go face or do a whole lot. There, it's a lot of removal spells um, for for the fell. So are you guys in the same boat where like, we're kind of excited for the future of this card? But right now, you know, obviously not seeing a lot of the other cards that are available out there. Not Not super high on it right now. But this is one of those like in the future, super excited. Oh, I'm 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 excited for this now, uh, <laughs> just because it's a cool effect. Um, like I don't think it's fantastic because, like you said, the the quality of um, fell spells isn't great right now. Or actually, more accurately, the quantity of fell spells isn't that <laughs> great right now. If you're building an entire deck around this effect and you only get like three to four spells coming off of it, it's like this is what I paid eight mana for. Um, it, it feels kind of bad. Like, yeah, it's cool to probably clear the board in your own in the process because like chaos Nova is, um, a thing. Um, you know, you get some healing off of, uh, I beam and maybe get a few attacks, uh, to face with a fury and uh, chaos strike. But other than repeating a metamorphosis, uh, I, I don't know that I'm terribly excited about that. The, um, the spells that you're repeating that we have access to right now, but in the future I think it'll be um, chaotic and uh, that's what I love. So uh, I, I'm all for this card, but I don't think that it's uh, I don't think it's great at the moment. It just, uh, I don't know. It, it looks cool and it'll probably be fun to play. That's what I care about. Yeah, I think the big thing, um, you know, obviously I agree with everything you guys are saying about you know, it's more of a future card, but the, the big thing to keep in mind I think is mana burn. I think that's the thing that eventually, mm -hmm. if this is going to be a good uh, a good card eventually, it's because of Mana Burn, because you're going to be able to make this big 8-mana swing, ideally, um, like deal a whole bunch of damage, get a whole bunch of like Chaos Strikes, and whatever else they give us in the future, and potentially take away you know 4 mana uh, for a potential answer from the opponent, which can be really devastating. Like, Can you imagine a Shadowwalk-esque kind of effect, or a, you know, the, uh, whatever the mage one is called, the um, Solarium Prime? Something like that while also restricting the opponent's mana as a response. Like, that's pretty insane. So I just think that's uh, something to keep in mind. Uh, also, forward. yeah, we've also only seen two uh, Demon Hunter cards from the set mm -hmm. so far. So there's, you know, the distinct possibility that we'll get um, additional fell spells as well as maybe like means of generating uh, fell spells could uh, push this uh, a little bit higher up in, uh, you know, the potential uh, strength as well. Alright, uh, let's move into uh, neutral spells here. I know, like I told you, the player some websites got us jumping everywhere. Let's talk about some neutral cards. Auctioneer Jackson, uh, obviously pretty powerful effect, but you know we haven't seen all the tradable spells that have been revealed from, from this expansion, so we obviously don't know how many of them we're going to be running in our deck. Uh, but as an effect, you know, purely looking at the effect itself, uh, how, how are we liking it? It's difficult to evaluate without seeing all of the tradable cards. Um, and I think that's going to be like the the number of tradable cards that are consistently run in your deck is what's going to dictate the um, 
reliability or the relative power of this card. Um, I don't. I, I see it as a maybe a little bit too cute as it stands because like two mana two three is fair, but that's not good enough in our format. So um, I like you would have to have some really high, uh, really high density of tradable cards that you want to frequently be sending back into your deck. So it really depends on those mm. two things: how many uh, tradable cards you have and how much how frequently you have open mana to to trade them. So I don't know. I feel like you're overpaying to uh, to discover a card. Discovering a card is certainly better than uh, drawing a card. But like as we've spe- seen with Sphere, like giving up a card to do so is um, not always something that you necessarily want to do uh, just because, you know, that's taking up a, a card in your deck and uh, removing a card from your hand. This at least has an effect on board, so maybe it's a little bit better than Sphere, but it's a, a little bit more narrow as well, so difficult to say. All right, so let's talk about the uh, the neutral minion. This is a 3-mana, 2-4, two, 2-faced two investor. At the end of your turn, reduce the cost of a card in your hand by 1. There's a 50% chance to increase. And I'm assuming this means 50% chance to increase the cost of a card in your hand by 1 and not increase the discount to 2. Um, I think that's a pretty obvious reading of the card, but I have seen some alternate uh, you know, assumptions on Twitter. But going with the assumption that it's a 50% chance to increase the cost of card in your hand, this card's unplayable. I don't think we're going to talk about it anymore. Let's move on to our next one. Um, whoa, whoa, where's your sense of adventure? Are you kidding me? This is a three-mana Emperor Thorison sometimes. Like, <laughs> sometimes for one card, maybe, kind of. You got to take a gamble. You got um I think it's, yeah, it's a bad card, but it's, it's an ogre, so I'm playing it. I, I was one of the people that read it the other way because I assumed it couldn't be printed the way that it actually is. I, I had to I had to assume they had to just increase the discount each turn, but um, kind of unreal, kind of unreal. This yeah, thing how actually busted being, uh, would that be, dude? That would yeah, that would probably be too good as we <laughs> like. Cost reduction is pretty good. That's why like the Octobot, the uh, you know, kind of yeah. indicated a little bit of that. All right, uh, let's move on to everybody's favorite little meme card uh, from the set. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and preface this with I do not know the f- the reference. I am very uncultured. I'm already getting looks from my two co-hosts here. Uh, let's talk about Elwyn Boar. One mana, one one beast. Death battle. If you had seven Elwyn Boars die this game, equip a 15-3 sword of a thousand truths. Sword of a thousand truths. Whenever you attack, your uh, your opponent loses all their mana crystals. Um, I know this is a Sar- South Park reference somehow, but I'm just going to let the two of you Explain the reference and then explain the card. <laughs> Ruffle well, go. Yeah, it's one of the single best South Park episodes, and that like I, I ever created, and I, it helps that I was playing WoW at the time, so like obviously the reference was more salient for me. But essentially, what they did is they were getting bullied by a um, you know your stereotypical gamer in uh, World of Warcraft, and to the point where they couldn't leave the starting zone. So in order to level up far enough to uh, defeat. The um, the guy preventing them from uh, playing the game, they had to kill nothing but uh, a bunch of low-level boars and grind hour upon hour of these boars. So it's very flavorful in its effect. And eventually, I forget exactly, like, it's been a long time since I watched it, but, like, um, there was this uh, weapon of lore that was the Sword of a Thousand Truths that would help them on their journey and their quest to defeat the, um, the, the gamer bro. So, um... And it was basically like I think it was on a thumb drive that they like uh, threw into their computer and somehow <laughs> yes. like uh, you know got access to it in the game as a result. It was like a hack. So 
uh, again, very, very flavorful in terms of what it's referencing <laughs> and the fact that, like, you know, Elwyn Boar is, uh, the Elwyn Forest is outside of Stormwind, so it's, like, relevant to the set as well. I'm I'm wondering if they've been, like, uh, they've had this card in their back pocket for a while and have just been waiting for the appropriate uh, expansion for it, but I'm all for it. It looks like a lot of fun. Um, I think it's going to be... You know, maybe pretty easy to get active uh, early on in a priest deck. Uh, you just do something similar to a weasel type build, and um, you know, with uh, Twilight's Call, you can uh, get a lot of these very quickly. Give them reborn, and um, you know, you've got two swings at your opponent's head, and they're dead, and they can't really do much about it because uh, the uh, deleting their mana crystals is. Um, <laughs> you know, going to be a little bit restrictive. Uh, as somebody who once took a land destruction deck to uh, his local game store for Friday Night Magic and made a few enemies, I am all for removing my opponent's mana crystals. And I'm really, that's the part, like, I don't care how, that I, uh, you know, that the weapon kills the opponents in two turns. I just want to remove their mana crystals. And that's the part I'm looking forward to. Like, I want to keep that game rolling after I uh, hit them the first time. So I'm yeah. I, this is one of the cards I'm most excited about, obviously. Yeah, I'm geeking out like pretty hard about this card. <laughs> like this, uh, this is one of the first, uh, really like South Park episodes that I remember watching. Um, it actually got me interested in Warcraft. I was only I think about thirteen when the episode came out. Um, and so it actually kind of got me interested into video games at the time, but wasn't really like an online gamer. And so yeah, it sparked that interest. Um. I mean, I'm gonna play this. I don't care how bad it is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play a lot of this deck and uh, explore it in a whole bunch of different classes and do whatever I can to, uh, you know, to make use of the sort of thousand truths. As somebody has no connection to to the lore behind this card and just looking at it from the surface, this feels like another Mimi Priest list, right? That runs, you know, the reborn, like the the test subject. You know, the Power Word, Shield, Holy Smite, whatever, Reborn kind of combo, and you just run that with this instead, right? And you do, what is it, Test Subject? Uh, what is it called? Reborn? The Reborn spell? Uh, embalming, embalming Ritual. And that one. Um, and then you Holy yep. Smite it. And then you get yep. those spells, you cast on these Elwyn Boars, and you summon seven Elwyn Boars. I don't know what the earliest you can do that is, but... Uh, well, if you have Baron Rivendare, you can you can do it early. That means you're also running turn. Baron Rivendare in your deck, though. Well, you need to, otherwise you're not you're not looping the Elwyn Boar as well, because you only get the one copy back, which means you'd have to use them on the test subject again, and so you're not actually <laughs> looping them on the boar. What um, about if you rotate in a uh, Vivid Nightmare? Or if it, is that the card? Oh, I think that's possible, yeah. Because you would get the Vivid Nightmare back, you would get... Um, to there might be a way to do it if you you might have to have two mm. smites in order to do so though but specific combo aside those decks not very good oh no and, no I, and so <laughs> competitively i don't think elwin boar is going to be nuts but it will be a deck you guys will make it a deck because of the lore behind it so like i'm sure i'm going to lose against this deck and it's going to be a little you know frustrating to get smacked by the sword of a thousand truths but i'm really happy that it is a card like for those of you out there that love it, I just it won an Emmy, Meowth. The episode won an Emmy. Yeah, sure if, if you haven't if you haven't yet, before the set releases, I think a ridiculous hat on Twitter posted a link where you can watch it for free. So just just watch the episode; you'll understand it better. You'll be able to better appreciate the reference mm. and therefore the card. 
And then when you pull it off, it'll be that much more satisfying. So that goes to you, out to you specifically, Meowth, but everybody listening that hasn't watched the episode as well, go watch it. All right, we'll, go, we'll go post a link to that 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 hat posted on Twitter. We'll, we'll post it in the <laughs> description as well for everybody that wants to watch it. I guess I guess I'll go watch it. Um, all right, let's hop on to our next card before people you know actually start roasting me about my lack of pop culture knowledge. Let's talk about Cornelius Rome. I'm assuming this is Tamsin and Cariel's father. Uh, all right, there's a six mana four five legendary Cornelius Rome. At the start and end of each player's turn, draw a card. So does this mean that you play the six mana four five and you guarantee draw two cards, and then yes. if it gets back to your turn, you have drawn four cards for six mana and a four five body? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That, that seems insane. I it it's giving me um, Nat Peggle type vibes where uh early on for those of you that weren't playing at the beginning stages of uh, hearthstone um nat peggle was included in every single deck uh ever simply because he drew a card at the end of your turn um so like if this draws one card that's pretty good but it guarantees draw two and if the opponent can't remove it like you said you're drawing uh quite a few it's um what was the was the dragon guy? It rem- it also reminds uh, me of Ra- Rathion. Rathion. Yeah, like it, it's like Rathion, but good, <laughs> uh, because I think you're just kind of okay if you uh, if you draw two off of this. Um, in maybe like an LPG mage, I, I could definitely see this um, being beneficial because after you drop the LPG, not only does this cost one mana, but then the things that you draw off of it are are pretty good for the the following turns. It's probably not as good as like a Luna and a book because you don't get the immediate cards that you play this turn, but it's definitely interesting. It's a cool card. I think it broke a lot of people's brain because it's uh, a little bit wordy in the way that it's um mm-hmm. uh its text is, but I think like the the way that it's worded makes for interesting effects in terms of like uh the timing of removal when it gets traded into as well as its interaction with something like a Drakari Enchanter. So there are some fringe cases where it matters. And I think the other thing that broke people's brain a little bit is that it's not like it's not symmetric draw. It's only the person uh, playing the card gets the cards off of it. So even though it's happening on your opponent's turn, it's you that's drawing the, the card. So so outside of just like LPG Mage and Reno Sticker Mage, I was just I saw this and I thought about like Voracious Reader, but for like mid-rangey decks, right? Stuff like even Shaman, Libra and Paladin, maybe even like death battle demon hunter maybe doesn't want it because you have skull but for decks that don't have access to stuff like skull Goldam, like i i'm just thinking about like libra paladin and i absolutely love this card in libra paladin just like churn through your deck right you can buff this you can protect it and if they can't deal with it you are drawing your entire deck and then you are killing them with an idis combo right like it's it's happening and you can't stop it so i i don't know i'm i'm super high on this card i think it's gonna be really really good in reno secret mage and I think it's going to be really, really good in, like, Libra and Paladin. And I'm sure, like, even Shaman is starved for draw. I'm going to love this. I don't I don't know enough about other archetypes. Like, do you want this in maybe a Galakron Warrior? Like, Galakron Warrior, you have, like, Town Criers and, like, specific tutors. But do you, do you like this enough? Like, are you starved for draw and enough in, like, Galakron Warrior that you want this card? I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, like, like you said, just anything that's uh, anything mid-rangey is going to at least look at it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like card draw. Card draw is cool. I like this card. This card is cool. Um, basically, just drawing two at the end of each player's turn. Sort of how you can think about it. Um, and yeah, pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I think Corbett would call this card cool. Yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> I, um, I think that that was 
like the best summary of the card that we could have had. Drawing cards is cool. The card's cool. I like it. Yeah. For sure. Speaking of cool, let's talk about Varian, King of Stormwind. Uh, eight mana, seven, seven legendary minion. Battle cry, draw a rush minion to gain rush. Repeat for taunt and divine shield. Um, this very much gives me curator and countess Ashmore vibes, right? Or like ringmaster Watley, except it is so much better than those cards. Cause I feel like it has immediate impact, right? It's not just a seven mana, six, six or a, a seven mana, four, six with taunt. This actually has like rush taunt, divine shield. Um, call somebody called Siamat. He's crying, uh, over there in the corner, but, uh, I, I really like this card, except for the fact that there's not a lot of really great Russian Divine Shield minions that you want to hit, like outside of Zilliax. Um, I think if you're running Paladin, you, you have a little bit wider variety because of the Divine Shields. Um, minion pool aside, this card is pretty damn strong, I think. And uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not sure like where exactly this slot's in, um, but I'm excited for it, and I, re I really do like the card. What about you guys? Yeah, I, I think, like you said, it's probably... One of the better iterations of that type of effect certainly better than ashmore just simply because you know seven mana six six doesn't do anything so and like the curator had the benefit of at least it had taunt we talked earlier about how that actually you know interacts with the board and to some degree this has rush and taunt so um you know it's like immediate removal and then also sets up that roadblock behind it because it's like whatever you trade into the first time um probably gets removed and doesn't damage the uh, the Varian um, if all goes according to plan. The biggest uh, downside to this is that it is 8 mana, um, which, you know, it's it, it's a cool card. It's a, a potentially a, a strong card, but, like, you really want to be closing out the game with, like, um, this type of minion in... Um, in wild it, it's probably better than the the first iteration of uh varian warren and as long as it has some sweet tunes to go along with it like the uh, original version I, I see no reason not to play this card all right so let's move on to uh to warlock dark alley pact four mana shadows spell summon a fiend with stats equal to your hand size uh we've done it the meme has finally come true we can now coin a uh mountain giant in uh in even lock um uh, I mean, talk to me about Dark Alley Pact, Corbett. Do we? I mean, I'm assuming we like this in Evenlock. Uh, how, how powerful yeah. is it? There? Yeah, I look forward to the day Evenlock is this again, and then 29 copies of four mana eight eights. Um, that'll be very <laughs> exciting. But yeah, I really like this in Evenlock. Obviously, um, it's uh, it's just an additional an additional big dumb idiot which can actually be coined out, which is cool. Um, but yeah, apart from that, not really seeing a home elsewhere. Um, I don't think you play this in Reno Lock. Um, the, it, it's probably like better than Mountain Giant in a lot of archetypes that aren't like specifically, specifically even Lock. Um, it's probably better in almost all other Warlock type decks that it would at least consider Mountain Giant. So that's, that's cool. Um, Standard, you can pair it with Tamsin. That's, like, a lot of body, potentially. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, I'm not really sure. I don't think it, like, is the biggest deal in Evenlock because that deck is already, like... It's got a lot of ways to play 8-8s eight on turn 4. Um, that, that's that's not really, like, the big concern with the deck right now. But it is, like, a cute little, uh, nice, slight upgrade, I guess. Yeah, not swinging the needle any significant nah. way, you think? No, no it's... It, yeah, like like you said, it's it's just another big dumb idiot in a deck full of big dumb idiots. So like, um, it, it certainly fits in the deck and is good in the deck, but like it's not something that the deck is lacking. So I don't think it's going to um, to change much. But like, 
I don't know. I had some moderate success with uh, Evenlock recently. You just got to dodge the uh, abundance of secret mage and um, you know, you'll you'll do fine. I like I like cards that just make big numbers in that deck. I think too often people try to get too cute with like too much healing, too much removal. You just want big numbers and things that allow them those big numbers to hit the opponent in the head. That thing I will add is that it's probably a very very good card for Reno even lock. Um, oh, you know, it is it, it it's another demon for the Gul'dan, which is cool. Um and you know, that deck unlike normal even lock, that that can struggle sometimes to consistently hit like an 8/8 on curve. And so yeah, I think that's probably the biggest upside to this this card actually. Yeah, true. true, true. Redundancy to make up for the uh, the fact that you're a singleton deck. I, I think that that's uh, actual reasonable take. Yeah. All right. I mean, let's talk about another big dumb idiot. Let's talk about the Warlock Legendary. Uh, six mana, eight. We're going to talk about me. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, 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 six mana, eight six demon Anatheron. Uh, cost one if your hand is full. I mean, this is specifically again Evenlock or Reno Evenlock kind of card. Uh, Corvette disagrees. I've seen some hype about Darkler Warlock. Um, there no, are Darkler gamers that are eyeing this thing off and thinking, oh, one mana, one mana eight attack minion? Interesting. Um, so yeah, they've seen a little bit of hype in that in that direction. But why? Why ruin a card by including it in Darkler Warlock? Stop. <laughs> um, well, because Darkler Warlock's kind of good. Uh, so personally, I'm not actually completely sold in the card in Darkly Warlock mm-hmm. um, just because uh, a lot of time if things aren't going well like against aggressive decks if you're actually having to like tempo out things like Cheaty Ankle Biter rather than tap um, it can be a little bit difficult to get to that full hand and again like uh, e- if you're not going specifically on the coin or if you don't have backfire it's very very hard to, to get this out but um, you know it is very good if you just play it out and just have like a broomstick or something like that uh and so maybe maybe it's as fine as like a fifth giant. Um, I, again, p- I personally don't really see it, but I have seen hype, um, even from like some very good Darkly players that think it it will have a home there. That's that's spooky. I I kind of had just assumed it was an even lock card only, and there was no other discussion. But that's kind of spooky. Damn. Um. All right. Let's talk about Shady Bartender. Uh. This is. God, looking at Bob and then looking at this card and just, like, tell me how creepy that is, by the way. Um, but anyways, Shady Bartender, 5-mana, 4-4, four, four, tradable minion. Battle cry, give your demons plus 2, plus 2. Um, I don't think this card is getting nearly kind of the, the attention that it maybe should be. Um, because we, we've seen another effect that's, like, give your blank plus 2, plus 2, and that's called Quartermaster, and it's one of the best cards and one of the best decks in the format. Um, I'm not saying Galakon Warlock or, or Zulok is anywhere near the level of Odd Paladin, but I mean, this this is a Quartermaster style effect and, I mean, I, I think it's something that we shouldn't overlook. Like It's going to be a big boost to, to the Galakron Zoos or, or just the normal Zuloks. Um, and I, I'm actually kind of really high on Shady Bartender. Maybe not the art. The art's a little creepy, but the, the effect itself I think is pretty powerful. Plus it's tradable, right? Like if you're getting to turn 5 and you don't have that full board, you can at least trade it away to try to get a card that will, right? So, I, I'm pretty hype on this card. Uh, what about you guys? I, I'm gonna be honest. I completely forgot Galakrond and Warlock was a deck, so that's probably why I dismiss this card. Uh, now that I remember that it's a deck, 
probably have the same opinion of it. <laughs> like I, I like I don't know that this is necessarily the card like at five mana that uh, that moves the needle all that much on uh, on Galakrond Warlock. Um, but you know, I'm I'm happy to be wrong about it. I think that like Odd Paladin is a pretty unique situation where um, you have so many ways to cons- like your hero power does so much to um, to ensure that you have targets for your uh, for your quartermaster that like. I don't know. Oftentimes, quartermaster ends up being like a savage roar on a body. It feels like to where um, it benefits from. Like I think Odd Paladin is a little bit stickier than um, Galakon Warlock is at the moment, and can like can be in the foreseeable future. But like I said, I'm happy to be wrong. Um, like these kind of cards are interesting to me, especially with the fact that as tradable, you can time it a little bit better, so you don't run into the issue of it getting stuck in hand as maybe better stats than a quartermaster, but I don't know how important that is uh, compared to the effect. But, again, happy to be wrong, and I'll certainly try it when it comes out. I, I really like this card, actually. I think I think this can be really good. Um, in sort of like a disco lock type shell, um, I guess you could change the build a little bit more to make it more demon-centric and things like that, but... Uh, with the amount of, like, board flooding and ray fuel that you can have with things like Ray's Dead, um, I-, I am, like, really high on this, just because if you hit two minions, right, like, if you if you often quartermaster as two minions, that's, like, usually a fine payoff, like, y- you're definitely comfortable doing that a lot of the time as Odd Paladin, um, and I think there are going to be a lot of situations where you can consistently have at least two demons on board, and often more than that, and so, yeah, I think, I think this card has huge, huge upside to the point where I'm willing to drastically change my deck um to help build around it and yeah i think i think this is definitely the type of deck the kind of card that can uh you know help push a a bit of a new or a a bit of a twist on a wild archetype very hype for this one so one last thing that i'll mention before um and this uh is actually an argument against what i uh discussed earlier we've seen an effect like this go into hand with an imprisoned scrap imp and that actually was relevant for a while even in wild and while you're paying more mana for the uh the shady bartender stats on board are always more valuable than stats in hand so because you can you then dictate trades a little bit better so i i, I mean there's a good chance there that, that i'm wrong you guys certainly seem to say, think so but um i don't know maybe i'm falling into the uh the trump trap of because it's i don't see it as an archetype now i'm uh, underrating the card yeah i mean this, all right Card number one for that uh, that disagreement that we're going to come back to in four months and uh, point out and laugh at one of us. All right. Um, all right. Let's talk about the next Warlock card. Let's talk about Demonic Assault. Four mana, Fell Spell, deal three damage, summon two, one, three, Voidwalkers with Taunt. Um, I mean, maybe I'm super low on this card, but we have stuff like Hysteria and Dark Skies and Defile and Plague of Flames and, you know, the two mana deal three and Uncivil Fellbolt, like, four mana to, to deal just three damage feels really, really bad. Summoning two 1-3s with Taunt is not terrible, right? But it's not great either. Um, so I'm not super high on this card. If it was a Shadow Spell, I'd be a little bit more high on it than I am that it's a Fell Spell, but probably not high enough to still want to run into my decks. What about you guys? Yeah, it's sort of uh, falls victim to the fact that Warlock has such good single target removal already that, like, I... I can pay one mana for three damage, though. So, <laughs> like, uh, like, I don't, I'm not too concerned about getting more Voidwalkers. And in a lot of decks where you want single target removal, you also probably don't want to add more uh, Voidwalkers to your Gul'dan pool. So, I think that that's a consideration as well. Um, it's a card that does a lot when cards that have a lot of um, 
a lot of things on them uh tend to be pretty good but i don't know i kind of there there have been uh spells released for priests that are kind of similar to this in the past um that uh nobody runs again by nature of the fact that priest has uh, such good removal that it doesn't need to like remove and build a body on the uh, on the same card necessarily so yeah i'm not too high on this card either I actually like it. I think it's good. Um, I, I'm not too concerned about the extra damage in the pool when it comes to something like Rainolock. Um, so yeah, I think I think this can definitely find a place in Rainolock. I, I think this is good. I think it just does too much for one card uh, to not be playable. I, I think it's just it's too much stuff going on for it to not be good enough. It, it's like Flanking Strike, right? Except like we get the 1-3s instead of the 3-3 three, three Beast, but mm-hmm. I also feel like hunter needed the flanking strikes where like warlock doesn't need the flanking strike right maybe that's that's obviously just my opinion i mean it's another removal spell probably competes with like cascading disaster and, and stuff like that as well for probably that 29th or 30th cards in the in the list um i mean hey man warlock needs more powerful cards so i'm all i'm all full for this card actually ending up being good right totally uh all right let's talk about some paladin cards let's talk about Lightbringer's hammer three mana three two lifesteal weapon can't attack heroes it's a little bit sad um what do you guys think about this one <laughs> it, it, it is sad i i want to when i have a weapon i want to hit my opponent in the head with it especially the whole point like, come on right <laughs> like so there's a you know with aggressive decks there's a very simple rule uh that i follow which is uh, minions go face face goes minions so like this does have that going for it like um and you get to heal up in the process but I don't know that it's better than some of the other three mana weapons already available to uh, to Paladin or even some of the, you know, non three like uh, more expensive or cheaper weapons available to um, Paladin. So like if you're, I don't see this as better than Rallying Blade or the Murloc weapon. I guess is my um, my issue in the types of decks that might want this type of weapon. I guess. Do you think you ever play this in Libram Paladin? Uh, if you ever cut like Libram of Justice in particular, I don't know that we're running Libram of Justice already. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, exactly. Or is, that the, is that the five mana spell or the? Yeah, uh, it's the yeah. five mana spell. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I know it's been cut from a lot, but yeah, like if we're not running that, then do we have a look at like this weapon? It's it's possible. Healing is good, um, but like I feel like uh, Libram of Hope already gives you a pretty significant amount of uh, healing as it is. Meow's the expert on the matter though, so he's well, probably. I'm I'm only thinking about this as like this helps your matchup in the Secret Mage a ton, right? Yeah. But like that matchup is already close to like, it, it, in my experience, it's been close to fifty fifty, like to like slightly unfavored. I don't I don't know. It does help a lot, and you're not really running a ton of three drops anyways that are like super proactive all right you're talking me into this I- i'm seeing the can't attack heroes though and i'm just like Ugh. like it can't stop a rig fair game you know if i really needed to yeah um, for sure so all right you're-, you're talking me into it and maybe testing it in, in libra paladin but okay I'm-, I'm more excited to try a couple of other cards over this one yeah uh, i don't know how i'm gonna fit all them right. all in we'll see we'll see <laughs> you-, you you've convinced me to at least consider it at least all right now all right, job done for. Uh, all right, let's 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 consider this new Paladin quest. Let's talk about Rise to the Occasion. Uh, so this is the uh, the new Paladin quest line. Quest line, play three different one-cost cards. Equip a 1-4 Light's Justice. Second half of the quest, 
second part of the quest, sorry, Pave the Way. Play three different one-cost cards. Upgrade your hero power, so this is the dudes that'll go to the Odd Paladin hero power, right? Um, and then the last part of the quest, Avenge the Fallen. Play three different one-cost cards. Reward Lightborn Carriel. Lightborn Carriel is a 5-mana 7-7 battle cry for the rest of the game. Your Silverhand recruits have plus 2, plus 2. Um, one question before we like start talking about the quest do you have to have nine different one cost cards or is it just three different for each part of the quest i think it's i would assume three different for each part of the quest i think my assumption is that it kind of resets with uh, each iteration but it's not something that i think we've had uh, clarification on just yet but that would be my assumption as far as how it goes i i guess i'll start off with a discussion about this one um i and i will say two things it is a quest in odd paladin right we, we talk continuously about how we don't like the quest on turn one in aggressive decks, right? That's just kind of like this big thing. But I was looking at like the current builds of Odd Paladin. Current builds of Odd Paladin run 21 cost anyways. And so if you cut stuff like Lotheb and Carnival Barkers, like you're running 23 different one cost cards. If you like want to just go all in on making sure you have this quest complete by turn five, turn six. I, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm saying that the opportunity cost of running this card in your Odd Paladin deck, you are not significantly changing how you're building the Odd Paladin deck list. I feel like giving up Carnival Barker is asking a lot. Like that's where, that's where you lost me a little bit. Uh, I mean, okay, even the, if you run the Carnival Barkers, that's still what is that? So twenty, twenty-two one drops. So I, I've had people bring this up and like sell me on this because like, what's the payoff? You get a five mana. Um, better quartermaster. Like again, we talked about how quartermaster kind of ends the game. The second stage of the quest does nothing, and like that's a that feels like a pretty big oof to me, right? Because your up your hero power is already upgraded. Well, it yeah. refreshes your hero power, right? So you can like hero power play the one drop. It'll upgrade the hero power, and then you can like hero power again. I'm I'm playing Devil Devil's Advocate here. Like I'm not super high on the card. I'm just saying that the opportunity cost is not super high to running this card, other than the fact that you were starting with one less card in your opening hand. Right? That's which which is a big deal. That's a big but, I, that is a big cost in my opinion in a deck yeah. like uh, Odd Paladin. That like when a, when an Odd Paladin plays nothing but Righteous Cause on turn one, I'm like ooh. I've got a pretty good opening here if I'm playing a deck of a reasonable speed. So um, I think that that is a cost that is often overlooked. And like the fact that, you know, for the first six one drops that you're playing, you're probably just getting a Light's Justice the and, as your reward. And then, I don't know, I'm, I'm not convinced. Uh, that said, I do like playing non-odd versions of the Dude Paladin. And um, one of my favorite cards that has been historically terrible is um small time recruits so i'm excited to have an excuse to play that card um and i certainly will be playing that card in addition to like a christology so there's there's certainly no shortage of ways to complete this quest in the wild format with the the tools available i'm just not convinced that um it's worth the spot in odd paladin for just like better quartermaster but again i've been wrong before yeah, I mean, it's like a quartermaster every turn. Lothraxian, right? Like, inevitability, right? You combine this with Lothraxian, and you have, like, 
against the Reno Priest, even if you get Psychic Screamed, you're summoning two three threes with Divine Shield every turn, or like even just summon summoning three threes every turn. Like, I I'm not high on the card. I'm just <laughs> saying that I would not be surprised if it ended up being okay in the list, right? I I will also say be, that I was. Go ahead. I'm I'm gonna be blunt. This cost this card might as well be even costed. That is how irrelevant I think it is to Odd Paladin. I really? think it is not even remotely worth considering in that deck. All right. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm just I, like I said. I would not be surprised if it ended up being okay. I mean, so. I did. I I had a lot of people in my Twitch chat when it was released talk about how broken it was going to be. But like like Corbett, I just I I did not see it just because like part of the upside of these uh, quest lines is that you do get incremental uh, rewards as you go through them, and so I don't know that a um, you know stage two um garrison commander is really uh like a a quality payoff when you know you still have to have the mana to press the button twice in a turn yeah it uh, doesn't I, make any sense with the curve it doesn't make any sense with card <laughs> like what you're trying to do apart from the like just giving up a card in your mulligan and playing this on one it doesn't make any sense with like the fact that you're trying to button constantly each turn like it, it's really hard to even want to complete this yeah all right i'll craft a golden i'll craft a golden if it's good i, I don't <laughs> like i don't know i'll craft millhouse golden all right, clip that just in case. Um, I, I I I was just playing devil's advocate. I was just yeah, trying, yeah, yeah. Just, try, just trying to play <laughs> devil's advocate. Like I said, I I also don't think it's going to see a ton of play. I'm I'm going to try it in the dude paladin specifically, just because. Yeah. If it's going to, that's probably the situation where it'll be good. Um, but like I said, I also wouldn't be like completely shocked. I'm not going to craft millhouse golden if this ends up seeing play in odd paladin, but. Um, but yeah, let's let's enough talking about rise to the occasion because I feel like I'm gonna get flamed for this. Like it's my opinion, even though it's totally <laughs> not. Um, let's talk about priest. Oh, we've got two cards left. Let's talk about call of the grave. This is a one mana shadow spell. Discover a death rattle minion. If you have enough mana to play it, trigger its death rattle. So kind of like a mini priest nine lives style of card. Um, so on the surface, it's one mana discover a death rattle minion. These effects have gotten a lot worse in Wild just because the pool is super large and you no longer have the, the class discover bonuses. Um, so you're really looking at that second half of that spell, right? Where if you have enough mana to play it, triggered the death rattle. Um, I mean, Ruffle, you're the, the Weasel Priest expert. You, you've played more and more than I think anybody else on you know the history of Wild Ladder. What are you thinking about this one? Um, I'm more high on this because it's a shadow spell. I think that that's why I'm excited to play this in a uh, Benedictus type deck. Um, and you mentioned it's uh, one mana, but I like in that deck, no, it's a, it's a zero mana discover uh, a card. And because it's zero mana, you're likely to, because of the, the palm reading that you're also running in that deck, you're likely to be able to um, choose a minion that you get the effect on. So um, it's... Oh, I don't think it's like a super powerful or high quality card necessarily, but like I like it and I I'm excited to play it in that deck, um, just because it is like a it's kind of like a pseudo nine lives, um, but again death like nine lives is a better build around card because you can actually trigger uh, death rattles that you chose to put in your deck and as you mentioned the wide card pool in wild always makes these discover type effects weaker just because you're going to hit a lot of neutral minions especially now that um i don't think discover favors uh, class cards uh, uh, like it used to so you're you know you're going to get some big whiffs but um you know uh the one thing that 
in the past when I've tried to make that aggressive death rattle deck work, I just kind of ran out of gas. And between the Benedictus hero power and cards like this, I could see it uh, potentially um, having a little bit more longevity. So I'm excited for it. Whether or not it's uh, a high quality card, I think is probably uh, up for debate and probably unlikely, but like it's one of the cards that I'm most excited for in the expansion that has been revealed so far. All right, let's uh, let's talk about last but not least. Let's talk about this priest quest. Uh, seek guidance, and I'm going to shout out the uh, the flavor text here. Uh, Zyrella was looking for spiritual guidance, but found deck building tips instead because that's exactly what this quest is making you do. It's uh, Curse Stone 101. All right, seek guidance. Quest line play a two, three, and four cost card. Reward: discover a card from your deck. The second half of the quest: discover the void shard. Play a five and six cost card from your deck. Discover like reward: discover a card from your deck. And last but not least, Illuminate the Void, play a 7 and 8 cost card from your deck. Reward, Zyrella the Sanctified, which is a 5 mana 7 7 with Taunt. Battlecry, shuffle the Purified Shard into your deck. And the Purified Shard is a uh, 10 mana spell, destroy the enemy hero. Um, yeah, how are we thinking about this? This is very like Cthune-esque, right? New Cthune, right? Where you play all these things, assemble this end game win con you play it and you ideally win the game this one guarantees wins you the game where Cthune is Cthune. uh but yeah how are we feeling about uh seek guidance and the uh the one two three four five six seven eight uh kind of cost well, of this uh this quest i mean very much like Cthune, people see the uh the last effect of it and know for a fact that this is going to be incredibly broken and um will probably ruin the game mode especially because it's in priest but um all-powerful uh, class that um, you know is constantly playing cards uh, over the over the course of those early turns in particular, and certainly not like holding and waiting for uh, the opponent to do something so that it can respond. Um, so yeah, certainly probably the best card in the set. It'll break Hearthstone. Um, mm -hmm. In in all seriousness, I think it's maybe a little bit more reliable than Cthune. Um, <laughs> but not by much i i don't see this like first of all this is wild so uh lol what is turn 10 um and you're like even in the best case scenario you're not completing the quest or drawing the piece on turn 10 so you're not getting this done on turn 10 so it's like this is turn 12 14 plus um so no <laughs> uh it's not going to uh to break the game uh, as an aside, when I when I think Curvestone, I and this is unironic, uh, I think Reno Priest because you're just playing cards on Curve, but like at the same time, you already have a win condition in Reno Priest, so you don't really need this nonsense. So like even in the situation where you can complete the quest as quickly as you might in a uh, in a Priest deck, I I don't see this. Um, being a thing um you know there's some cute things again you can do with like primordial protector grand archivist like we talked about with the druid uh card but again this is the wild format so unlikely to be a reliable win condition very much like Cthune, and i can see it as being uh very frustrating in a similar way to Cthune. i've i've tried to make the new Cthune work many times and no matter what i do i'm always just infuriated by the fact that not only do i have to draw the pieces but then once I finally assemble the Cthune, he goes back into my deck and I have to go on a hunt for him again. And I can see that being the same way with the, the Purified Shard, where, you know, even with uh, tutors to to get to it a little bit more reliably, like a Polkeld or whatever the case may be, it's like, 
Well, you still have to put all this effort into something while your opponent's beating you in the head uh, turn after turn. And I don't know. I don't see it. But Yeah, I think if Anduin didn't exist, right, then we could talk ourselves into, like, Arena Priest wanting this. And it could kind of be, in theory, sort of like Arena Quest Mage type deck. Um, in terms of just kind of like curving out with good yellow cards that I just, you know, Explorer on two and then, you know, Dustbreaker on four and, you know, so on. Um, but the fact that Anduin does exist uh, makes that a lot less appealing. Um, so I think it's obviously much more direct towards standard. Um, and yeah, just a little, little bit too slow for wild. Uh, at the earliest, you can get it out on what, like turn 10 with the Archivist. Um, Unless you magically top deck this somehow, or maybe fetch it with like a Shadow Visions or something. But yeah, it's like, that's pretty late game, especially in an, that's like an ideal scenario where you're curving out perfectly, which probably isn't that likely, right? As much as, much as uh, you know, it's like fun to roast Curve Stone. Priest, like Ruffle said, is generally like a pretty reactive and defensive class, and often those reactions aren't just like perfect on curve plays that fulfill your mana cost. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just don't think it's it's good enough. More of a standard card. and But yeah, absolutely would be broken as standard. Tier 0, uh, probably going to get nerfed in the first uh, uh, 24, maybe 48 hours. We'll see. Um, um, I'll, you know, the final two things I'll say about this card is that, like, there's some potential that maybe there's a card that hasn't been released yet that, like, makes the uh, the progress of this a little bit easier to like a kind of a, a Polkelt-esque type uh, effect where you can more reliably draw your cards in sequential order um, just because like I don't know it seems weird to release this card alone but uh, I, I could be wrong uh, the last thing I will say is that I, I do appreciate like alternate win conditions being added to the game I know people freak out when they see the something like the purified shard or Mechathune or regular Cthune in the past, but like I'm all for it. I want I want interesting ways to make the game end, um, and I think this is one of them. Oh, and, and sorry, not to do another like one last thing, but I have seen a couple of people mention whether they just play it in Reno Priest, but not really intending to complete it, just because they see it as like a one mana discover too. Um, I don't think that's very good at all because. Uh, you're giving up a card in your mulligan, you're giving up a turn one play to discover a card, and a lot of the time you probably won't even get to the second part of the effect where you have to cast a five and a six cost. Um, and even in the games where you do, it's probably still not really good enough uh, to justify that. Especially a deck like Reno Priest, where you do really want to be go out and work hard to fetch your Zeph and Raza and Anduin and things like that and Polkelt, and um, probably just not worthwhile. Yeah, yeah it's I easy to forget sometimes that they're like... Uh like intermediate uh, re rewards for these quest lines. <laughs> like discovering a card from your deck is quite powerful yeah. to be honest. So, yeah. I feel like the only place that this sees play is like in that spiteful style of deck, right? Where you play this on one, you play Questing Explorer on two, you play Scorpid on three, Dustbreaker on four, Operative on five, Spiteful on six, something on seven, and then like Archivist on eight, and like that's how you're winning the game. Like, but then you're playing for this late game purified shard win con in a spiteful deck. But like yeah, you I just... only mentioned that because yeah. we talked about like Archivist being like super effective at pulling this card. And like Archivist finds like a natural home in spiteful decks. I it also means though that you're like not playing a one drop on one in a spiteful deck, it, which is a it, big deal. So It's just it's just not a win con that fits wild specifically, you know. 
But like Raffle said, I am all about them printing cards that say like end the game instead of sitting there and like Shutterwalk Shaman versus Ticketus games and games lasting like a million years. Um, I, I'm okay with stuff ending the game. I'm just not like, I don't want that ending the game to be happening on like turn six or turn seven. Like it was with the old Megathune list. Uh, kind of, ha- I'm happy that they printed it. I, I don't think it's going to be very good, but I'm, ex- I'm excited by the, uh, the outrage that we've seen already. All right, so that's going to be all the cards. Uh, we've talked about, what is that, 33 brand new cards? Uh, that's a lot. We've been talking for a long time. So we'll we'll do a quick wrap-up today. I mean, last thing, how are you guys feeling about these cards that they revealed so far? I, I, I'm pretty excited. They look pretty cool, pretty unique. Honestly, some of them pretty powerful as well. So uh, I know we've only seen, what is it, like 50 out of the 130 cards so far, but pretty excited for a lot of what we've seen. What about you guys? Yeah, I, I hadn't... Uh because of the the news that we talked about earlier i hadn't been keeping a close eye on the uh the the card reveals until we recorded this just now so this is you know the first time i've taken a close look at some of these and um you know i'm I'm glad that we did because it's kind of uh, rekindled some of my excitement for the expansion there's some really interesting uh cool cards being printed uh that uh, are coming out in the very near future too so um you know i'm I'm excited for the set um and uh, looking forward to to some of these new fun toys yeah really like the set um very excited about a lot of the keywords that we've been seeing a lot of the, the cards are um <laughs> like very very weird and uh interesting and things that we haven't really seen before and that's what you always love to see and you know a handful of them look very very powerful which is very important for the wild format yep all right well let's not dirtle too long uh let's go ahead and wrap it up uh raffle corbett thank you again for joining me this week uh, let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, as always, you can find me at RaffleHS on Twitter and Instagram and at Raffle on Twitch and YouTube. And, of course, you can find me at Corbett Games on uh, Twitch and Twitter and the rare occasion that I actually put out YouTube content. Uh, and you can find me at Get Me Out on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we appreciate all of you guys listening all the way to the end, uh, every single one of you guys that listen. Uh, it means a lot. Appreciate you guys. Hope you guys are enjoying the, uh, you know, the meta right now and i hope you guys are enjoying reveal season and we will see you guys again next week